Good morning, Amplified Church. What a week we have had. I hope you're doing great, and I'm sad to not be with you in person, but I love the fact that we can get together online, and you can uh, tune in, and we can still connect. So I'm thankful for you taking time to do that. Last week, I preached to a completely empty sanctuary, and it was weird. And I went home, and my family was watching the TV, and I was on TV. My kids said, you're famous. You're on YouTube. And then whenever uh, my son, my youngest, got bored, he said, Dad, can we do something else? We started wrestling around, and, and um, he whispered in my ear, did you know it was this boring when you gave the talk? And I have to appreciate that. I have to appreciate his honesty. I hope you didn't feel the same way. The truth is that the building is closed but the church is not. I am so excited for what God is doing around the world. I'm excited for what God is doing in our church. And we're having to rethink things, and we're going to have to look at it from different angles. And I know it's not the same not being able to be together and, and being six feet apart when you are around people, but God is getting attention in whole new ways, even online uh, as we speak. And so I am thankful that churches are shifting from business as usual to still give God the glory. And I want to talk to you about a scripture uh, that means a lot to me and has meant a lot to me, and I think it'll speak to you today. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Let, let me pray for you for just a second. God, today I pray for those who are watching. May they not feel the spirit of fear, but may they be filled with your spirit. May they have power and love and a self-control that the world takes look at and wonders, what is different? And then God, help us to point people to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, well, let me tell you this. Let me start with the grocery store last week. I go to Lowe's, and if you want to know how people are doing, all you got to do is stand at the grocery store for just a little bit. I'm standing outside. Everybody's acting crazy. There are people on their cell phones. They're bickering about items. Uh, apparently, there are bare shelves everywhere at this point. There's no bread or milk or, or meat or toilet paper or hand sanitizers. And people are grabbing the essentials to be prepared. But really what they're doing is they're gripped by fear and they're being irrational. That's how you know. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my family, I think, has probably two weeks worth of groceries right now. But we aren't hoarding random items or stockpiling quantities uh, just so that it makes us feel better. In fact, I don't really quite understand that scenario, but I, I know this, that when, when the writer says, for God, it means that you start with God and he takes care of the fear. If you start with you, you get irrational. But when you start with God, Timothy says, for God. When you start with him, then he takes care of it for you. So um, while you're sitting at home, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to answer this question. How do you know when you have the spirit of fear? Go ahead and answer that for just a moment. I'll wait. Welcome back. I hope you got the right answer. I hope you uh, answered better than the person sitting across from you. I'm sure you're smarter than they are. Uh, and I know that you're probably like me. That Jeopardy music always makes me feel uh, really um, 
push to get the answer, and I would do terrible on that game show. But let, let me tell you this. If, if somebody asked me, how do you know when you have the spirit of fear? Here's what I'd say. You become self-consumed. You become irrational. You become uh, incapable of loving others. You only care about yourself, and the result is you lose self-control. And as a result, you start to act in ways that are literally out of control. If the, if the Spirit of God is in you, then you act in ways that love God and love others. And while you, mu- you maintain a, a modicum of self-control in good seasons and in bad seasons, the, the spirit of fear causes us to make decisions that are out of control. And you start doing things like hoarding toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer. And my hope for this message is that you will welcome the Spirit into your life and in the weeks ahead so that that God can guide and use you and comfort you as we face these uncertain days. And we cannot control what happens to us in so many ways. I mean, you could wash your hands, you could stock up on the toilet paper, but you really can't control in many ways what happens to you. But we can control who we are and we can control how we respond. And the question for us is, how, how do you know when you're gripped by fear? I mean, are you constantly watching the news? Man, watch it and then cut that mess off. Are you making irrational decisions? Just relax. Maybe you can't sleep at night. Maybe, maybe you're feeling panicked or you seem agitated or you're just unable to relax. Billy Graham said this, historians will probably call our era the age of anxiety. Fear and anxiety are the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. He wrote those words in 1965. And I imagine, one, he's right, and two, it applies more to this moment than maybe any we've experienced so far. And the Bible says there's a cure cure to fear. Um, Philippians chapter 4 says this. He says, uh, the writer says, brothers, sisters, whatever's true and noble and right and pure, whatever's lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think on those things. Whenever you have learned or received or heard, he's saying, from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So you listen to my voice as a Christian. Your hope is to take the peace of God, to focus on him first, and then to let that help you think on things that are right and pure and lovely and good. And that doesn't catch the media's attention, but that catches God's attention. And so he's pouring through his spirit into you to be people who uh, bring a posture of hope and joy and love and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What is the cure for fear? Here's a question. How much fear is in love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, you have to remember a couple of things. One, as a believer, and hopefully you've accepted Christ in your heart, God loves you. If you have not, he still loves you. And there's nothing you can do to earn his love. And so John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I'm begging you to invite Jesus Christ into your life.
I'm begging you to surrender the reins, to give him control, to step back and say, God, I've tried this. It doesn't work the way I do it. I'll do it your way. And I think when you do that, grace enters your life, and it begins to walk with you. You don't just get the opportunity to have eternal life with God, but you have the opportunity to walk with grace and power and an eternal love in your heart that doesn't just get rewarded when you die, but gives you a full life on this earth. And if you accept Christ into your heart, if you say, I just need to give him control, we'd love to know that. We'd love you to tell us that, uh, maybe in the comments, or, or you can contact us at the, at the church, and we would love to know that uh, what God is doing in your heart, uh, you're able to tell somebody, and, and you dig into the Word and find out what he says, and we'd love to help you with that. But the second thing is that God, um, God um, calls us to love others, that he, he tells us, we say it around here like this, that, that we look up that we look in and that we look out. In other words, we look up because we want to like connect with God first. I mean, the fear that will get any of us at any moment when you're least expecting it is always cast aside when you look up to God and you look into his word and you get on your knees in prayer. And so we want to connect in that way. And then the Bible says that there's a big deal about the body of Christ being unified. I mean, even within this season, we can still be unified as a as a body. We can still communicate. We can still serve in ways. We can still be the body of Christ, even though physically for moments we can't be together like normal. And the Bible says that when you're unified together, then the world sees you. And when you reach out, you change the world by serving them. And because you're unified and because you're connecting to him, they want what you have. We say it like this. We exist to amplify the beauty of Jesus Christ into a broken world. And you say, man, that's hard in this season. I mean, social, uh, social distancing and social, you know, social interaction has, no, we can still be the beauty of Jesus into a broken world. In fact, I think that the, the world is paying attention and leaning in just a little more because they're all, they're all getting toward themselves. They're all, they're all hoarding a toilet paper and hand sanitizing, and they're just, they're just scared. And they need, a, they need people who, are, who I think are Christians to say, you don't need to be scared. Like, we're not scared. We will show you. We, we, are, we are not going to fret that God has this and he's in control. There's a social media tag that's been going around that I've seen. I love this. It's after you wash your hands, wash somebody's feet. I just love that. I, the disciples were shocked when Jesus began to wash their feet, when he put a towel around his waist, and he took the form of a servant, and he washed their nasty feet. And I want you to use sense, and I want you to be, be careful. And we're not saying be careless, but I think there's ways to be very uh, sanitized and also be a servant. When you, after you wash your hands, wash somebody's feet. That may be somebody inside your house. You may be stuck inside with them for so long, they are getting on your last nerve. Mamas, you're homeschooling these kids, and they're getting on your nerves. Or mom and dad been home too many days, and they had not been going to work, and everybody's getting on each other's nerves. Or the neighbor, you know, that doesn't cut his grass quite the way you like it. Or, or they throw the ball over the fence, and you have to keep throwing it back over. Or, or, or the one person in the HOA who always reports everybody else. I don't know who it is, but I know that you have the possibility in these next moments, you have potential to share with the world what it looks like to be a Christian. As a church, we're going to do a couple of things together. While we can't necessarily meet together, 
um, we can do a couple of things. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to serve, and you've heard this, we're going to serve Garner, Garner Area Ministries, which is a, a food bank near us, uh, and they've asked us to bring uh, peanut butter, celery, they've asked us to bring beans and pasta and canned soup and rice, small packages, and they are asking um, us to bring those and continue to help them stock because so many people are asking for help already. And so you can drop that off at the church campus here in Garner um, from Monday through Wednesday from 10 to 2 p.m. And there'll be a box outside the offices that you can just drop that off at, and that's on the Highway 70 side. One of the other things we want to do at the church is we want to help those who are um, elderly and seniors in our church. There are some that may not be able to get out the shop. They might not be able to um, get medicine, and they might be fine for a week, but after a little bit, they're going to um, be nervous to get around to go out. And if you could help us, that'd be great. You can call the church office. You can email uh, Miss Cindy, their church office, and you can just say, hey, I'd love to help somebody, or it may be that I need some help. And either way, they're, they're, um, as the body of Christ, we want to join and either give you a chance to serve or give you a chance to be served. And we hope that you will take us up on that. Uh, you could give somebody money and they can go do the shopping for you that we trust. We'll make sure that uh, everything comes to you and that nobody, nothing weird happens. Um, but you know, we'll make sure that, that the thing is handled correctly. Uh, maybe you get out and literally serve your neighbor. I mean, you stay six feet away from them or whatever that is, but, but maybe you get out and literally serve them. Maybe you find ways to teach younger generations how to, how to serve other people. I think this is a great opportunity in your house to not just make it about us, but to make it about somebody else. And we want to be careful how we do it, but I think you can teach some things. There's a family in our church that um, decided to collect cans in, uh, in their neighborhood, and they asked people to just put bags um, and, uh, and canned food out, and they'd come around and collect it. They'd come up to their, their, um, their uh, porch, and this is the family, the Fireballs, and their family that we love. And their kids decided to get those cans. And so once they get the cans, you can see a picture of some of them that they collected, right? Some of the ramen noodles. We could live off ramen noodles forever. And, and, and so then they are just going to um, uh, take those to uh, a food bank or a church local to them, and they're going to drop those off. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. When they went to one of the uh, houses, there actually apparently was a bag on the front uh, porch. And when Carter... Our friend Carter, when he went to get it, he realized it was um, actually a bag full of dog poop. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he survived it, and we're thankful for his service. And, um, and hopefully he finds more food in the next uh, situation. Uh, anytime I've been afraid in my life, the cure was to run straight at the problem. So anytime that I've run from the problem, it's just eaten me alive. But if I will pray and seek God, and then run straight at the problem, somehow it seems like it always takes care of itself, and God steps in and does a miraculous thing. There's a book that I tried to talk to my sons about, and they looked at me like I had three heads, but it's called Eat That Frog. And the idea is if, it's the, if the hardest thing you've got to do all day is eat a frog, then you do it right at the very beginning. Get it over with. Don't let it ruin the day. Just get after it. And so I would encourage you in, in the things that, that scare you to just step in those moments, to, 
to take advantage of, of, of this time and think, what are things that I've wanted to do but have kind of scared, well, how can I step into solving some of the problems in life that I haven't had time to get around to or I've ignored, I need to talk to somebody and we haven't maybe had much talk, I need to forgive them, I need to confront them, I need to say I'm sorry. It's a good place to start. I have to manage a problem with my kids. Well, go ahead and do it. I have an addiction I need to take care of. Well, then take care of it. Pray about it. Find help for it and get rid of that in your life. There was a season of my life where I served a church, and there were beautiful people in that church. But there was one man who could not stand me. I mean, could not stand me. And because I lived on a parsonage where the, the house is right by the church, he knew exactly where I lived. And so he would write notes about me to me. And he would tell me how terrible I was and what an awful pastor I was and, and how much he hated me and how much everybody hated me and how much everybody talked about how much they hated me. And, and as, a, as a young 26-year-old guy, I took that mess. My wife would get up for work to go to the hospital, and I would wake up before her at like 5 in the morning and go get those letters so she wouldn't find them. It was almost as if I believed that if somebody said it and put it in a letter form and I took enough time to drop it off on my, my porch, which was there, it was probably there two, three days a week at least, somehow that made it real. And what I did, instead of going to the, the, the people who were, who were in my life who loved me, the people in that church who loved us, the people who could have taken care of it, I just backed away in fear. And what I ended up doing was give some, a, an, a mean person with a pen power over my life, power over my mind, power over my spirit. I want to tell you this. Fear is a liar. It is. That the devil will use fear in your life to make you back off. All the devil wanted to do was, was me to back up for presenting the gospel, which was my job. Instead, I started to wonder and believe that everybody thought that this was, this was just terrible. Fear will not serve you. It will not perfect the love that God has for you, and you will have to learn through the fear. If you feel fear, you will learn and have an opportunity to learn God's love and to, um, to experience that and grow in that. Fear wants you to look into the future and not see God. Fear wants you to look into the future and see only what you have now, and that will only get worse. But the Bible says that faith wants you to look at your moment, start with God, and know that the future is even better because God is present in those moments. I mean, the Bible says, do not be anxious, right? You say, well, the coronavirus is here. And, you know, they, hey, look, don't be silly. I mean, use common sense and follow guidelines and, and all that stuff. But don't, don't need to, don't be selfish. Don't, don't be a selfish person. Be bold with your love. Historically speaking, a plague hit the early church, and the Bible says that, the, that when the plague hit, they responded. They went out and served and loved their city. And we're going to be responsible. We're going to follow guidelines. But when, when opportunity presents itself, church, I'm telling you, people are watching you. People are paying attention to you more than they ever have. They used to just walk by you and not care, and suddenly everybody's watching and seeing what everybody else is doing. And if you can show Christ's love, it's different than everybody else. God's people behave differently. They do. They behave differently. The heart of the believer is, I trust you, God. I trust you.
the devil is the spirit of fear, and he wants you to feel fear in your life, and he wants you to uh, step back from uh, love, joy, peace, and hope. He wants you to not be able to sleep. He wants you to be so frustrated that you don't know what to do. I, I recently heard this week that uh, a man ran out of toilet paper while on the throne and called 911. That, that is not what 911 is for. I also heard that, that not to be outdone, a guy who called 911 called because people at the grocery store were skipping in line and he got mad, so he called 911. That's crazy. We don't do that. Here's, here's something I know. There, there are three big fears, I think, that any human experiences. Let's talk about them for a minute. All three have the assumption that we have control. Um, here, here's the first one. The first one is this. Collectively, our biggest fear as a human race literally is death. And everybody dies and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were perfect, but when they sinned, death entered the world. And, and so we all need the grace of Jesus Christ. And we're all offered eternal life, but only those that choose Jesus find their way to God. It, is, it does not you cannot nice your way to God. My, my, um, one of my professors said, you cannot good your way to God. You have to have his grace. This uh, past week, I did the funeral of um, a lady in our church, uh, a lady um, connected to our church who was 90 years old, and she had a beautiful life, and she had daughters who loved her, and they gathered around and told stories, and, and she had had a really full life, and she had had a um, a husband who loved her and, and was successful in his life and had taken care of their whole family, and, and she had taken care of the family. And, um, and they, they sat on that table and told me thing after thing after thing. And when we went to her graveside, it was a couple hours away, and uh, like 100 people showed up, which never happens. And, and I gave a chance for people to talk, and they said, I never saw her get mad. In all the years I knew her, she never got mad. I never saw her get mad at the girls. I never saw her get mad at her husband. Uh, with all the businesses they owned and all the things they did, I never saw her get mad. She was the kindest person I'd ever met. Do you know that even as nice as she was, she couldn't earn her way to heaven? Now, she was a believer, and we thank God for that. But to be honest, you, you can't be nice enough. You can't be good enough that you just have to accept that you need the grace of Jesus Christ and you need the truth of the Bible to speak and give you a path better than the one you're on. I wonder, you know, we get fearful. Like, well, some people die from this virus. Yeah, maybe. Maybe people we know. Well, some people we know get sick from the virus. Well, maybe. And I don't take lightly of that. Like, that scares me. Like, what if it's people I, I love and know? And, but we all die one day. 100% of all of us die. And it's just looming over us. Except the Christian, it's not a fear for us. As a believer, it's not a fear. It's like when you work and, um, and you got a vacation coming up. You don't fear that vacation, right? You, you look forward to that break. You look forward to that experience. The, the Bible describes heaven literally like a vacation coming, way better than a vacation, but a literal paradise. And that starts with 
accepting Jesus as Lord of your life. The second thing that we get worried about is uh, one of our biggest fears is the loss of money. I mean, money gives us security, and it makes us feel better. And, and oftentimes with the stock market up and down, I haven't even looked to see what my stuff is doing because I don't want to see how high or low everything's gone, and I'm just following the plan, right? But it's up and down and sideways and up again, and, and I wonder how many people should have probably invested in the kingdom instead of throwing money away in, a, in, a, in an operation that probably didn't bring them any return. Because the fear of losing our money is why we work full-time and then sometimes have side hustles. And, and why we have to have two job families now, and then we have to have side hustles on top of that, and we still feel like we can't make ends meet, and we exhaust ourselves, and we lose little to give to our families. And the Bible says this. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust is stored. It says, store up treasures in heaven where your heavenly Father rewards you and is and is um, is will bless you in return. When we when we put our faith in wealth, we lose because the Christian finds wealth to be what they look to, not faith. What the Lord told us tells us to hold on to. Don't ever put your faith in wealth. The third thing that we often um, collectively is our biggest fear as a human race is the is the um, loss or lack of purpose. We we often think we know why we're here. And that's a great thing. It's our purpose, and that's good. But what happens when the job or the spouse or the kid or the opportunity is no more? Is your purpose gone? And the Bible says the ultimate purpose of the Christian is to be ready to share the hope of what is found inside them, which is Jesus Christ. And it says that you are to be ready to defend that which is inside you when someone asks, why are you different? When, when the world breaks, you don't panic. When the world goes selfish, you don't overreact. After you wash your hands, wash somebody's feet. We as a church, but you, you can amplify the beauty of Jesus Christ into a broken world. Let me pray for you. God, today, thank you so much for those who have gathered with me, who have uh, pulled people together, maybe are going to have breakfast or lunch or dinner tonight, and they're going to watch this service. They're going to say, that's my church, and we're banding together, and we're going to do this, but God, help me not to have a spirit of fear. Help me to have a believer, believer's faith. So God, go with us in the week ahead. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I love you, and I'm praying for you.